You're listening to podcast audio from Radiant Church, located in Bay City, Michigan. For more information on Radiant Church, you can check us out on www.radiantbc.com or follow us on social media at Radiant Bay City. All right, Radiant Church. Hey, let me remind you of what Victoria already said. Good Friday service is online only. It does premiere at noon. Obviously, if you're not available at noon, you can watch that at any time afterwards. And uh, make sure you go to YouTube. Just type in Radiant Church Bay City, subscribe, and never miss a service. And we would love for you to share that with others who may need that as well. It'll be a communion service, actually. So grab some bread, grab some juice, and take communion with us as we worship and remember the price our Savior paid for us on the cross. Well, today, listen, we are back in the book of Acts. This is a message series. It's part 14 Already part 14, and we're entitling this series, The Spirit-Empowered Church. Now, if you're new with us, maybe you're just visiting Radiant Church, or maybe you're here and you're just coming back to church. You haven't been to church maybe in a few decades even. Listen, the book of Acts is found in the New Testament of your Bible, and it's essentially the story of the early church. It's the story of the very first Christians who gathered together to worship in Jesus' name. And there are some amazing things that happen throughout this book of the Bible. Now listen, we're going to go through the entire book. Uh, Don't worry, not all today, okay? But we're going through the entire book. It's going to take us a while. But I think it's really important that we do this. Why? Because in an age of bumper sticker Christianity... Christians, we need to learn how to read the Bible book by book and and interpret its stories and apply them to our lives today. I think it's part of what it means to grow and to mature in Jesus Christ. Today, specifically, though, we're going to look at Acts chapter 10. So if you want to get ready for that, get a smartphone out, your Bibles or whatever, go ahead and get that ready. But in Acts chapter 10, let me break this down for you. Let me set the stage so you know what we're going to talk about this morning. In Acts chapter 10, in its simplest form, it's a story of two people, Peter, an apostle, and Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Now, again, in its simplest form, this is the story of Peter sharing the gospel with Cornelius. Let's talk about this story because you're wondering, how does this apply to my life? I promise you, I will show you that as we go throughout this story. But again, let me set the context for you. So in Acts chapter 10, we know that Cornelius is a Roman centurion. That means he's a Roman officer, a commanding officer, and he commanded a unit of about 80 soldiers, about 80 soldiers. Now, the one thing I want you to know before we get into the rest of the story is this, is that Peter and Cornelius... They are on the opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to people. What do I mean? I mean, these are people who are highly unlikely to ever associate or hang out with one another, right? Think of it like this. Think of it like the star um, high school quarterback who becomes best friends with the math nerd. Highly unlikely, okay? Unless he's going to cheat off of his test scores or whatever it is, right? But it's highly unlikely that they would ever hang out. Now, this is the story of Peter and Cornelius, right? They have really nothing in common. And I think this is part of Luke's point as he writes. Cornelius, another thing that we need to know about him is that he is not Jewish. He's not Jewish. 
Now, the Bible calls non-Jewish people Gentiles. Can we say that out loud? Gentiles. All right, perfect. You learned something new today. Some of you didn't learn something new. Whatever, right? Gentiles is a non-Jewish person. The Bible also calls Cornelius a God-fearer. Okay, so what does that mean? Okay, some of you might think, well, it simply means that he feared God. It does, but it actually means something more. God-fearer is a category, actually, of a group of people, listen, who worship the one true God, Yahweh, okay? They worshiped the one true God. However, they were not proselytes. Okay, whoa, 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 whoa. What's a proselyte? A proselyte is a convert to Judaism, okay? So these are people who worship the one true God, and yet they were not Jewish. They had not become Jewish. What does that mean? It means they hadn't been circumcised, okay? That's what it really means. It's a group, a category of people the Bible calls God-fearers. And this is the story of Cornelius and Peter. One more thing about Cornelius. He also treated the Jewish people with kindness and generosity. So what does that mean? It means this. The Jewish people liked Cornelius naturally, right? So one day, here's what happens. Cornelius has an angel visit him. And the angel comes to Cornelius and says, Listen, Cornelius, you're praying and your prayers are being heard by God and your alms. Listen, those are recognized by God. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to send your men to call for a guy named Simon Peter. He's in Joppa. Have him come over to your house and have a conversation with you. So Cornelius is like, all right, you're an angel. I'm not. You're really powerful. I'm not. I'm going to listen to you because this is freaky, right? I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to do what you've asked me to do. So he does that. He calls for Peter, and they have a conversation in Cornelius' house. As we go through Acts chapter 10, I'm going to skip around just a bit because it's long, and I want to help summarize this for you, and I want every single one of us to be able to follow along with exactly what is going on in this situation. And so the title of my message this morning is Talking About Jesus. Talking About Jesus. If you're taking notes, write that down. If you're not taking notes, that's okay. I'll, I'll forgive you, all right? It's all good, all right? Talking About Jesus. As we go through Acts chapter 10, I want to just show you four practical, simple, everyday things that we should consider Four, not eight, just four, four things we should consider when it comes to what? Personal evangelism. Personal evangelism. What does that mean? I'm not a Christian, Marco. It just simply means talking about Jesus, talking about Jesus and sharing our faith with other people. So we'll begin in Acts chapter 10, verse 9. Before we do that, let's pray, and then we'll dive in. Okay, you guys ready for this? Nobody's ready. Wow. Okay, a few people are ready. All right. Some of you are like, I've never been to a church where people clap or they sing. This is crazy. <laughs> All right, well, let's pray together, I'm trying to break some of the awkward silence, and we'll dive into the scripture. Lord, we love you, and we thank you so much, God, for your word. God, we thank you that your word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, thank you, God, for the families that were here, that are here, God, and for their beautiful children as well. Bless them today abundantly. Let them just experience your tangible presence. Lord, we pray that you might open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to hear what you have to say to us. And God, if there's someone here, maybe we wouldn't consider ourselves a believer or a Christian. God, would you draw that person to you? Would you, again, open their hearts? 
hearts, God, so they might see the beauty of Jesus in the gospel, God. Lord, draw men and women and children to you. We pray and we thank you for it. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Here we go, guys. I'll have the verses behind me. Acts chapter 10. We're going to pick it up in verse number 9. Pay attention. It's an awesome story. Here it goes. About noon, the following day. So listen. Cornelius has already summoned his men to go get Peter. Okay? Peter's going to come and hang out. He's never met Peter. Total stranger. So we're going to jump into Peter's story. About noon the following day, as they were on the journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven. He saw this vision is what's, paid, what's taking place here. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet, a large sheet being let down to the earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals, as well as reptiles and birds, okay? Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, and I'm sure you're wondering about this too, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon, Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon was, was known as Peter was staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit, notice that, the spirit said to Peter, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. So in other words, listen, Peter is also hearing from the Lord. Hey, these guys, they're legit. Don't be afraid. Go with them. Everything's going to be okay, okay? So Peter went down and said to the men, hey, I'm the one you're looking for. Why have you come? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who's respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that you could hear, so that he could hear what you have to say. Do you see this? God is setting up this sort of conversation between the two. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests, okay? So I want to pause right here. We're going to look at the rest of the chapter, but we need to pause because there's a lot going on right now. Peter is getting notification that he's supposed to go to this guy he's never met. It's, it's the centurion. His name is Cornelius. And God, what is God doing? God is behind the scenes setting up what? This divine appointment. That's what God is doing behind the scenes. So the first thing, I told you, there are four things I want us to consider when it comes to personal evangelism or talking about Jesus. The first thing is this. Your story may be the answer to someone's prayer, okay? Your story may be the answer to someone's prayer. I'll explain this, okay? So just hold on with me. Your story, I don't care what your story is like. I don't care how jacked up your story is or how jacked up your life might look like, okay? I hope I can say that in church, jacked up. I just did, okay? What? Anyhow, listen, your story might be the answer to someone's prayer. Here's what I'm talking about. Did you notice this? Did you notice that when the angel comes to Cornelius' home in the beginning of Acts chapter 10, the angel does not give 
Cornelius the gospel message. Anybody notice that? If you look in your Bible, you'll notice it, okay? Doesn't that seem a little strange? Doesn't that seem like a roundabout way to get the gospel to Cornelius? I mean, come on. Why didn't the angel just say, hey, okay, Cornelius, we've heard your prayers. Uh, they're pretty good, slightly misguided. Okay, God sent his one and only son, Jesus, and Jesus lived a sinless life, and Jesus died on a Roman cross. He was persecuted, okay, because he claimed to be God, but he was God in the flesh. Three days later, Jesus was risen to life, and now he seats, or he's, he sits at the right hand of the Father. One day, Jesus will return to the earth, the broken, the war-torn earth, the sinful uh, earth, and he's going to make all things new. He's going to set things right. He's going to eradicate sin and throw Satan in hell. Cornelius, yin or yo? All those who call upon the, na the name of Jesus will be saved. Cornelius, what do you think? You want to sign up? Or are you you're good? You're not good? What do you think? He could have did this, but he doesn't. He doesn't. I think it's interesting, right? I think it's interesting. Instead, what does he do? He does the prep work, and he says, hey, Cornelius, I want you to go, and I want you to send for a man named Peter, okay? A man named Peter. So while Cornelius' heart is primed to receive the gospel, what happens? God sends a person. God sends a person. This is what I'm talking about. God sends a person. Why doesn't the angel just tell him the gospel? Why doesn't the angel just say to Cornelius, hey, what, 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 are you in or are you out? I don't know for sure, but here's what I do know. I think it's because of this. I think because there's a difference between an angelic visitation and someone who you know, a personal experience of someone who you know sitting next to you saying, this is who I used to be. This is now who I am. God has changed my life. Now, what about angelic visitations, Marco? I mean, like my, my uncle said he saw an angel. I pray to angels. Whoa, slow down. Don't pray to angels. Pray to Jesus. Angels are messengers. There's some funky things in Bay City that I'm hearing about from people. They're like, I call upon my angel. He comes to me. I'm like, whoa, whoa. What? What? Like, what? No, no, no. Call upon the name of Jesus. Romans 10, 13, I think it is, says, all those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say all who call upon the name of an angel. Okay, I want to be really clear where we stand as a church. We don't worship angels, but we do believe that they are real. They're real. The Bible calls them ministers. Ministers, okay? Now, most often in Scripture, side note, when people meet angels, it's like a horrific experience because they're freaked out because angels are big and powerful and mighty, right? It's not like that old TV show, Touched by an Angel, remember, where the angel just strolls up and it's like, hey, how you doing? Hey, Michael, how's it going today? It's more like, ah, right? Oh, my God, I just saw an angel, right? That's actually more what it's like in the Bible. Sorry about that if I hurt any of your ears there, okay? okay. <laughs> all right? Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this because, listen, there's a difference between an angel visiting you and someone who you know sharing the gospel. Listen, Cornelius prays. God doesn't send an angel. He sends a person. God doesn't send an angel. He sends a person. He might just send you. Here's what I'm saying. Your story may be the answer to someone's prayer. That's what I mean. Peter is the answer to what? To Cornelius' prayer. The angel could have done it, but he doesn't. God says, no, 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 no. I'm going to make this personal, and I'm going to send Peter, and I'm going to do something through Peter as I save Cornelius. 
This is amazing, right? Everyone has a story. Let me just say this really quick. You have a story. I have a story. And God wants you. God wants to use your story to reach people who are far from him. Okay? All right. Now, I appreciate the, L, the, the PGA golf tournament clap. Thank you for that, by the way. All right? <clears throat> I don't even, I couldn't even say it because I don't even watch it, right? But anyways, <laughs> everyone has a story. And you might be thinking, hey, my story is messed up and I'm still kind of messed up. Hey, welcome to the club. Hey, we're all just a bit messed up. Amen, church? We're just all a bit messed up, okay? But our story can be used to bring someone else to Jesus Christ. This is the case with Peter, and this could be the case with us as well. So Peter comes finally. He's got some bros of his. They go to Caesarea by the sea, northern Israel. Beautiful. Visited there with my wife a few years ago. And they visit Cornelius there, okay? Now remember, Cornelius, Peter. Cornelius, Peter. Not supposed to be guys that hang out. It's like the medical doctor and the farmer. They don't hang out at Applebee's on Friday nights for half-off apps, okay? Just doesn't happen. Can it happen? Yes, it can. Unlikely, though. Same thing with Peter and Cornelius, okay? Unlikely. Peter comes into Cornelius' house, and he acknowledges this, like, in everyday vernacular, yo, this is weird. Acts 10.28 says this. He said to them, okay, we're, we're jumping ahead, so stay with me. This is Peter. He said to them, He's talking to Cornelius and his, and his crew. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Okay, hold on to that. That's important. But, I love this, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without any of raising any objection. May I ask you why you sent for me? The second thing that we need to consider when it comes to personal evangelism is this. There's no one too far from God. There's no one too far from God. Now, I need to unpack this. I'm going to give you a bit of theology for about five minutes. Hang on with me. You're smart people, and you can handle this, okay? I promise me. I promise you, you can handle this, okay? So Peter comes in, and he's like, listen up. I shouldn't be here. My people shouldn't be hanging out with your people. Whoa, 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 Peter, Peter, take it easy. My people, your people, those are fighting words, right? You don't say that to other people. But Peter says that. Like, we shouldn't be hanging out with you. You Gentiles, I don't even know if y'all can be saved. You're far from God. I don't, like, this is this over here. We can't have this friendship, association. I'm not going to sit down and have a hot dog with you. Oh, heck no, right? Not going to happen. That's what he's saying. This is the vision that Peter has. Let's pull it together. We're pulling puzzle pieces together. Peter has a vision. It's from God. Rise, kill, eat. Peter's like, I've never eaten anything impure because I'm a good Jew. God says this. Don't call anything impure that I have not called impure. So let me set this up for you. What is going on here? You see, Jewish people back then and still to this day, Orthodox Jews actually follow dietary restrictions outlined by the Mosaic law, okay? They eat kosher, a.k.a., okay? They eat kosher. They don't, they don't eat pork and all these, all these things. And you're like, what, 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 why, huh? If you want to, you can. You don't have to. Leviticus 11, Leviticus 20. Go back and read, and that will give you 
what the Jewish people were to eat and could not eat. Okay, what, why does God do this? This is strange, Marco. It is strange. Here's why God do this, did this. Because this was one way that God could separate his people from the rest of the nations. That this was God's intent with Israel, to set them apart. That Israel would be his people, okay? His people. And that all other nations might come to the Lord through Israel. Does that happen in the Bible? It doesn't. Why? Because Israel messes things up royally. They sin. Their hearts are hardened. They worship idols, right? Everything else in between that. So they had these dietary restrictions that they were abide, that they were to abide by. What happens in the New Testament? Awesome question. Smart people. Jesus steps onto the scene. What does Jesus say? Jesus says this: it's not what goes into your mouth that makes you unclean. Oh. Okay. Jesus says this, rather, it's what comes out of your mouth. That is what defiles a person. Because why? Because what comes out of your mouth comes from your, yeah. So Jesus says, listen, let me flip that for you. And says, and says this, God is after your heart. So you can have ribs. Thank you, Jesus, right? You can have all the goodies. Because why? It doesn't really make you unclean. It may be unhealthy, okay? <laughs> it may give you heartburn, for real. But it won't make you unclean or defile you or make you sinful. Rather, what comes out of your mouth, because it comes from your heart. Jesus comes to sort of set things straight. Now, on top of this, theology lesson is almost over. Hang on with me. Hang on with me, okay? Many Jewish people believe this. They believe that if Gentiles were going to be saved, if they were going to be a part of the church, they needed to become Jewish first. Okay? Just read Galatians, read Romans, read the New Testament. It's all over the place. Paul is constantly writing and saying, hey, y'all need to get along. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. Stop making restrictions. Welcome one another. The Jewish people, many Jewish people thought, okay, listen, if they're going to be saved, they at least need to be Jewish. Well, how do you become Jewish? Well, the scripture says this. There's a phrase. It's called the works of the law. The works of the law. It's in Galatians. You can read it. Okay? What does that mean? Well, a lot of reformers think this, like Martin Luther and Calvin and all those guys. They believe the works of the law are works that make you or earn your salvation. Now, part of that's true. Works that try to earn your salvation, but that's only like a, a small part of the truth there, right? Many New Testament scholars, like a guy named N.T. Wright, actually correct it and say that the works of the law were three big things. What are those three big things? Number one, circumcision. Number two, dietary laws, kosher laws. And number three, practicing the Sabbath. Those are the big three. Those, many New Testament scholars believe, that is what it means when Paul says the works of the law. In other words, they do those things to first become Jewish, and then maybe they can be saved, okay? But this is why Paul is writing. Paul says, no, 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 we're saved by faith through grace, not because of the works of the law. Okay, Marco, that's a lot of theology. I didn't really come here for that. Whatever. All this to say, you, listen, Here's what, you need to know this because why? Because when you read the Bible, it'll make more sense. I promise you, it'll make more sense. Why am I saying this? Well, 
Peter wasn't sure if the centurion could be saved. This is why I'm saying this. Why? Because he, he wasn't Jewish. He, he wasn't circumcised. He wasn't practicing Mosaic law. He wasn't doing those things, right? Peter had written him off. Like, you can't be saved. Like, I don't think this is possible. I don't know if I should even share this with you. It's not going to do any good. Can I just say, sometimes we are like Peter, and we write people off. We write people off, and we say, oh, she, she is definitely, she can't be saved. Oh, my gosh, she's wicked, right? She, oh, my gosh. Oh, he is a drunk. He is such a drunk. He will not be saved. He's He's not going to come to Jesus. I don't see that ever. We write people off. And I just want to remind you this morning, just because you write people off doesn't mean that God has written them off himself, right? Right? Just because, listen, church, just because you stop praying for someone and you've given up. Come on, parents in here, some of you have wandering, wayward children, and they are adult children, and they are not serving the Lord. And that is difficult. Your pain, I can't imagine your pain. Listen, just because maybe you gave up on praying for them for a season doesn't mean God has stopped working. Right? Peter, sometimes we're like Peter. We write people off. And listen, the word of the Lord says this. Listen, no one is too far from God. No one is too far from God. No one, right? Let me just say this. Maybe you're here and you would say, I feel like I'm too far from God, Marco. Like if you knew what I said Yesterday or this morning, if you knew um, the activities I was a part of, I mean, it's like it's embarrassing for me to say it out loud. I'm, I'm too far from God. I don't, this whole thing right here, this is not me. I'm too far. And I would say to you, no, 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 you're a perfect candidate to be saved by the, faith, by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? You are not too far from God. And God's arm, listen, can extend all the way to where you're at. You might be in a slimy pit. You might be in the middle of a messy divorce. You might be in the middle of an affair or pornography addiction or you're, you're addicted to meth or cocaine or you're, just, uh, you're sick in your head and your heart. Listen, and you are not too far from God. Right? You're not too far from God. Listen, I want you to hear that this morning because there may be someone in here who needs to who needs to come to Jesus. And you, you know what you do? You bring all of that garbage with you and you say, here, Jesus, you have it all. Here I am. I'm not going to fake it till I make it. I'm not going to pretend like I'm someone else. Here's my junk. Here's my garbage. Here's my baggage. Here's my luggage. Here's, right? right? Here it is. Here's who I am. I need you. Forgive me. No one is too far from God, and I love this. I love this. Let me add one more point here, point number three. The gospel breaks down human barriers. The gospel breaks down human barriers. This is what Luke wants us to see in the text. The gospel brings people who are nothing alike, people who have nothing in common, and what happens? God makes them a family. God makes them a family, which is wild. It's incredibly wild, right? Let me show you. Let me show you in the text. The barriers that separate Peter and Cornelius. There are three barriers and there might be more, but these are the three the Holy Spirit revealed to me. There's an economic barrier, an economic barrier. Cornelius, listen, he was a Roman centurion. He would have had access to all kinds of wealth in the Roman Empire. Wealthy, rich. Peter, on the other side, broke like a joke, right? Has no money. Why? Because he gave up his trade to follow a rabbi named Jesus. Wealthy, rich, poor, coming together. God breaking down barriers. There's a racial barrier, a racial barrier 
between Cornelius and Peter. Okay? Peter is ethnically Jew. He's ethnically Jew. Cornelius is a Roman. Romans and Jews, not good friends, not best friends. Racial tension, ultimate high, ultimate high. God breaks down barriers, brings them in the same room to have a conversation about Jesus. God breaking down racial barriers. Finally, religious barriers, religious barriers between the two, okay? Cornelius was considered a God-fearer, but remember, he was not a proselyte. It means this, he was not yet completely Jewish. So although he worshiped the true God, he was not Jewish himself. Peter, on the other hand, of course, what was Jewish? Again, religious barriers between the two. What is God doing? Bringing them together to have a conversation about Jesus. The gospel breaks down barriers. And we are called to do the same thing. We are called to do the same thing, right? We too are called to break down barriers, not build them up. So often, Christians, we get too involved, and it's good to care. You should care about what's going on in the world. I am 100% for that. You should care. You should take action. But so often, if we're not careful, what we can do without knowing it is that we build barriers between us and other people. And it prevents us from what? From sharing the gospel with them. So the the gospel breaks down human barriers. Let me say one more thing about this point. Maybe you're here this morning, and you would feel like this. Marco, there are barriers between me and the rest of these people in this room. I'm not like them. I have nothing in common with all of these people, and they look so pretty and put together and wonderful. And listen, can I just say to you, that's, that's, that's a lie. Listen, God has come to break down barriers. And can I just say, listen, I know the stories of many people in the room. And can I just tell you, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of heartbreak. There's a lot of turmoil going on in the lives of these everyday real people. Right? It could be that you're just like the rest of us and you didn't even realize it. We are all in the middle of our sanctification. What does that mean? We're in the middle of our growing in our holiness. We are holy, and then we're growing in our holiness. It's both and in the scripture. We're saved, and we're being saved. It, this is what it says in the Bible. You can read it yourself, right? And so listen, it's a lie from the devil. The idea is, listen, God wants to come in and break down those so-called barriers and bring you into the family of God, right? The family of God. He's come to break down barriers that separate us. Let's keep going. Peter asked Cornelius, okay, what's going on? Why have you sent for me? Because he's not even in the know. So Cornelius is like, okay, let me fill you in. An angel came to me. He said, I got to send for a guy named Simon Peter. You're Simon Peter. He said, you have a message for me, and we're all here. It's me and all my household, all my relatives, and you have the mic. Go ahead, Peter. What do you have to say to us? So Peter's like, oh, Okay. Well, God showed me that I can be with you. We can be together. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you about Jesus. So he does. Acts 10.34. Then Peter began to speak. And notice what he says to Cornelius, right? I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. So Cornelius, or excuse me, Peter is really coming to grips with this message. He's like, man, wow, I didn't realize this, but all people can be saved if they surrender to Christ, if they come under the lordship 
of Jesus Christ. This is amazing. Peter is coming to grips. So what does he do? He begins to explain the gospel. What happens? In the middle of him explaining the gospel, here's what happens. Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, okay, the believers who had been circumcised, becoming, they were either Jewish or they were becoming Jewish, who had come with Peter were astonished, okay, that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. They're like, what? You guys can be saved? No. Peter. Are you, what? I know. I, I didn't believe it either. They can be saved. I know, God told me I had a vision. This is crazy, right? They're, they're, they're seeing it for themselves. Four, verse 46, they heard them speaking in tongues, which is languages. The, the Greek word is glossalia, and it just refers to a heavenly language that the Spirit gives, that the Spirit of God gives to believers even today. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit, just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter, to stay with them for a few days. They invite Peter in, and they're going to have fellowship now. Because what? guess what? They're family now. They're family now. Right? Cornelius and his household have become saved. They're saved by Jesus. It's amazing. They're baptized. I mean, this is an incredible story. My final point is this, and this is really important. If the gospel is going to happen through you, it first has to happen to you. Let me say it one more time for the people in the back. If the gospel is going to happen through you, it first has to happen to you. To you. What am I talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Before the gospel comes to Cornelius, who does it have to come to? Anybody? Peter, that's right. It first has to come to Peter himself. I I like that. People on the live stream are like, what's going on right now? I'm with you. (laughs) Remember Peter's story? He denied Jesus three times. What happens? Well, in a miraculous um, act of kindness by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus forgives Peter, and what does he do? He reinstates him into the family of God. Peter has a very, very, very personal experience with Jesus. He experiences the gospel in a very real way. What am I trying to say? What's my point here? My point is this, is that you can't sell what you're not buying. You can't sell what you're not buying, okay? We can have all the outreaches in the, in the world, and there's going to be hundreds of people here on Easter weekend. We're going to have hundreds of people here at the Easter Egg Dash Many people who don't have a relationship with Jesus will be here as well. Fantastic. We want that to be in an environment where other believers are. We want that. We can, we can invite all the people in the world that we want to invite to church or to our events or to a conversation. That's all good. We should do that. We should definitely do that. But my thing is this. My thing is this. If we're not living out the gospel in our own lives, it turns people away from the faith. If we're not living out the gospel in our own lives, it turns people away from the faith and they want nothing to do with Christianity. That's harsh. I know. I I get it, right? I get it. I get it. That is harsh, but that's the reality. The best form of evangelism is living a changed life. 
we can model forgiveness, right? This really hits home to me. And parents, let me talk to you, especially if you're parents of littles right now. You're parents of littles right now. Parents of littles, can I get your attention for like 180 seconds? Parents of littles, focus for a minute. I know your distraction is like, but just focus for a moment. You see, we can drag our kids to church every week. And some of y'all do drag them. I see them. They're like, Shh, like <laughs> you can drag your kids to church every single week. But if you're, if you're fighting with your spouse at home and you're refusing to repent, you refuse to forgive, you refuse to change, you're a hindrance to the gospel. Your kids, guess what? They're seeing your marriage. They're seeing your life. And they're saying, mom and dad say that they do this, but this is what they're really doing. Uh-uh. I'm good. It's his home in a very real way, right? In a very real way. And, 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 and I've discovered that, it's, that the best way for me to model the gospel at home is to ask for forgiveness. And sometimes I have to do it of my own children. Let me give you a quick story. So yesterday, my daughter, we bought her a new game. And it's like a card game. I don't really understand it. But anyways, we're trying to play the game. And she's teaching me. She's like, Daddy, here's the rules. Here's the instruction manual. I'm like, okay. I get it now. Well, Ezra, my four-year-old son, he comes in. Ari, seven. Ezra, four. So Ari is like, she's like really good at reading, super smart. Like, um, she's awesome. And she's like explaining everything to me. Ezra comes in because he just wants to be a part of it. He starts flailing his arms, like moving the cards around. I'm like, Ezra, 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 get your hands out. Get your arms out of the way. What does Ezra do? Ezra goes and he buries himself in the, in the, in the, in the pillows of a sofa. He's like, He's like, yeah, right? And he starts crying. And I'm like, oh. I'm like, Ezra, come on, daddy didn't mean it. Come on, Ezra, come on, buddy. And then mom comes in and she swoops him, she picks him up, and he's crying. Here's the thing, here's the thing. Parents, listen, listen to me for a minute. I saw Ezra in that moment as a hindrance, as a distraction, as a nuisance. But Ezra took my reaction as he was being rejected from his father. Ezra saw it that way. I didn't see it that way, but Ezra, I could see the brokenness in his eyes. He says, Daddy is rejecting me, right? How heartbreaking is that when a child is rejected by their own father? That is incredibly painful, traumatic for children. So he starts crying. My wife swoops in to kind of help save the crap I got myself in. <laughs> and so when he gets sort of settled, I go to him, I kiss him on the forehead. I say, buddy, daddy's sorry. I messed up. I messed up. Right? And mommy said, can you forgive daddy? He said, yeah. Right? Parents, we don't need to bring the illusion that we're perfect we do need to show our children that we are a work in progress and that each and every day we're growing with Jesus. We're growing with Jesus. You can model this. You can model the gospel at home in these real small ways in forgiveness and kindness and grace, right? When we forgive one another and 
And, and, and one more quick story for you. Uh, there was a morning, listen, we can model prayer. We can model scripture. I like to journal. I think journaling is a really powerful way to connect with God because you write down your thoughts. You write down what you're learning in scripture. So I have a journal at home. I do it every day. I read scripture, I pray, and then I journal. I do all three of those things. And then I meditate on scripture and I memorize it. That's what I do, okay? That fills me up. That's what I do. So I get up in the morning and I do that. And one morning, Ezra comes. He's our early riser. Anybody, right? Early riser, you get that? You're trying to sleep in. They're up at like 5.30. You're like, what? Anyways, he's the early riser. He's up. He comes downstairs. I'm, 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 I'm on the couch. And I got my journal out. I got my Bible. I'm like, all right, I get to be alone with Jesus. This is awesome. And Ezra's like, hey. He comes and sits right next to me, snuggles up to me. He says, dad, I know you're getting ready to pray. I know you're getting ready to read the Bible. But would you mind if you read this story with me first? Wow. Broke my heart. Just, wow. And I was like, you know what, buddy? I will. Because I love you. I love God. But apart from God, I love you. Come here. Pulled him close. We read that, Bible. We read that story together. It was a book that he wanted to read. He couldn't read it the night before because he had to go to bed. He was acting out. <laughs> And so we read that story together. What was I doing? I was just trying, modeling the gospel in a very simple way. Simple way. But I love you. You are, you are a prized possession in my eyes. God loves you and your daddy loves you. And your father has your back. And I will be with you and I will fight for you. I'm with you to the very end. And, and I want my children to know that I'm not perfect. Daddy's going to mess up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to misbehave myself at times. But listen, I love you, right? And the grace of God can cover all things. We're not perfect, but we're growing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And listen, we can model that in our own homes with our spouses, with our relatives, with our friends. We can model the gospel for other people. The best evidence of a, of a, of a new life, of a life in Jesus is a transformed life. A transformed life. Yeah. So we're going to go ahead and close out this morning. And I want to just quickly review. What did we learn today? When it comes to sharing Jesus, number one, you may be, your, your story may be the answer to someone's prayer. Don't forget that. You have a story, and God wants to use it. Number two, there's no one too far from God. I, I, I get it. You may have lost hope, but listen, Waymaker, the song, right? We sing that, the bridge, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. God's behind the scenes. He's working. Don't grow weary. Number three, the gospel breaks down barriers. We build up barriers, right? Political barriers, right? racial barriers. We build those barriers, and God comes to smash them all down and say, no, 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 you're supposed to be family, bringing you together. Number four, if the gospel is going to happen through you, it first has to happen to you. You can't, listen, you can't sell what you're not buying yourself. We model the gospel in our homes, in our everyday lives. Let's pray together. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if you wouldn't mind for a moment. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much in this posture of prayer, God. Lord, I remember I'm reminded of the words of Jesus who says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. And so, God, would you remind us today that we are all sent ones, God. We are sent ones. We're directly sent from you to go out into a lost and dying world, to live our lives according to your holy scripture, God, to be a model of the gospel, God, to practice forgiveness and kindness everywhere that we possibly can, Lord, to love one another, Lord, and to break down barriers, Lord. God, 
Fill us with your spirit this morning, God. And Lord, let our stories be the answer to someone's prayer. Let our words, God, be the answer to someone's prayer, God. Use our lives mightily today. Lord, if there's someone in here who doesn't know you, I, uh, Lord, I, I pray that they would repent, turn away from a life of wickedness, from a life of evil, from a life of, of, of sinfulness, God. Uh, walk away from it and turn to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God, thank you that you forgive them when people surrender to you no matter what they've done. No one is too far from you. So God, would you draw men to, and women to you right now? Lives forever being transformed. Lives forever being changed, God. Forever being transformed. This day was not an accident. God, this day was written in your book of life. It's on purpose that they're here right now. You have a plan. You have a call. God, God, you have you you have a purpose in calling them here at Radiant Church today, Lord, and let them see that, God, by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray that they would see that, that they are valuable, that they're loved, that they're chosen in you, that they would come to you right now and surrender and repent and turn from wickedness and come to you. So Jesus, would you would you open your arms wide, God, for brand new people into your kingdom, God, this morning thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the mission that you're sending us out on. Lord, let Radiant Church have high impact in this region. God, give us the city, we pray. Give us the city, we pray. Give us the city, we pray, God. We want it, Lord. We want the city to know Jesus, to glorify you. God, we're not afraid to ask. God, give us the city for your glory, God. May it be done. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's clap our hands for the word of God this morning.